Good morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the hope that we have from you. Father, I ask this morning that you let these words be of you and not of me. Holy Spirit, transform us. Transform us through your power. Let us place our faith in you and long for the desires that you have for us. Father, be with us as we go forth and be with those who are hurting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we are continuing in on our series on the foundations of the gospel. We've been in the book of Genesis and our focus has begun narrowing down into the life of Abram, who is now called Abraham, and the promise that God has made through him. This is a very key foundational point for the gospel. We pick up in Genesis 17, verse 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. We see Abraham once again thinking for himself when referencing that Ishmael be the son whom God is referring to. The Lord, however, answers with one word, no, but rather Isaac is the true son whom the covenant is through and all nations will be blessed through him and his offspring. Abraham's only son is referenced here. Once again, God has a plan. We continue in Genesis 21. The Lord visited Sarah and he said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Chapter 22. After these things, time has passed. Now more on this later. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God tested Abraham. Now it's important to understand that God does test us, but he does not tempt us. There's a huge difference here. We see examples of this throughout Scripture. James 1, beginning in verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Who... For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. 
Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It is also important to note that we are more than capable of handling these temptations when they do come our way from our own desire. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But when the temptation we have, but with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now the other aspect that we are seeing again in Abraham's walk of faith are the words, Here I am. These words are similar to other key biblical characters, the likes of Moses and Samuel when God calls them. They answered, here I am. They are the words of a servant ready for his instructions or a person ready for the calling that God has destined for them. Verse 2, he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Only son. Here God is referencing the son of his covenant, Isaac, or the son of the promise that all nations will be blessed through. Another piece here is the land of Moriah. This holds major significance in many religions, as you know, including ours. We see this in Second Chronicles 3.1. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David his father at that place that David had anointed on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Mount Moriah is the location of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And this exact bedrock is occupied by the Dome of the Rock today. Back to Genesis 22, we continue in verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to a place which God had told him. Again, we saw like... Last week in Genesis 12, Abraham goes. But not only does he go, he does not delay going. Abraham responds immediately and is instantly obedient. Now I, unlike Abraham, am not a morning person. That is for sure. And I have also perfected the art of delay. Or in today's words, the art of procrastination. I take the more Jonah approach to life. I run, I delay. Abraham, however, arose early in the morning and went to the place God told him. Verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went, both of them together. Now within verse 6, there's also a very important moment that is often misunderstood, both by believers and in the very images that are used to betray it. This is the thought that Isaac is a young boy, or maybe even a little boy, when in reality he is an able-bodied young man. 
We know this because Abraham, who was a hundred at the time of Isaac's birth, is now years past the century mark. With the words from verse 1, after these things, we know that time has passed. And quite frankly, at his age, his hands are full with just the fire and the knife. The key factor in determining Isaac's ability is found in Abraham laying the wood, bearing the wood on Isaac. We see another correlation to this in John 19, verse 17. So they took Jesus, and He went out, bearing His own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Isaac, we know, is able to carry the wood that Abraham lays on him like Christ, bearing His own cross for the everlasting sacrifice to come. Isaac himself bears the wood destined for his own sacrifice. The imagery here is huge. Verse 7, And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, once again, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Within verse 8, we see the level of faith Abraham has in God's plan. He knows that the Lord will provide. There are three possible ways to look at the lamb within Abraham's response to Isaac. The first we saw in verse 2, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering. The lamb is Isaac. In the eyes of Abraham, it's quite possible that given what he was told by the Lord, Isaac is the only lamb being referenced here. The Lord, in fact, did provide for Abraham, the son of his promise. Not only did he do it, he did it in a way that was so unbelievable, or so impossible, if you will, that both Abraham and Sarah laughed. But there are two additional lambs that the Lord uses to fulfill this statement. He does so at separate times. Like Pastor Bill mentioned when expending and expecting God to do one thing, He in turn does three. The second is fulfilled in verse 13, and the third is referenced in John 1.29. Stay with me here. Verse 9, When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Now Abraham, who's over a hundred, binds his son and lays him on the altar, on top of the wood. Isaac, again, is no little boy. There's another aspect that comes into play here. And that is the role of Isaac's faith, and even more so, Isaac's obedience that is portrayed here. At 100, Abraham, like we mentioned, is most likely not lifting Isaac, a well-bodied man, onto the altar. So there's a level of faith and obedience that surpasses even death. He knows what that altar was for. Now, I don't have a son or a child even for that matter. So I'm forced to focus on Isaac and the son's perspective here. A more modern image that I thought of was the thought of myself allowing my father to tie me up and lay me on railroad tracks. I would clearly see the projection of events that are coming. And I just don't see myself having the level of obedience to be willing to allow that to happen. Isaac, however, does. Verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. 
But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. For now I know that you fear God. Abraham passes the test. The Lord has given him this test, and he passes. There is nothing that he will withhold from the Lord, not even his own son. We see the weight of this throughout Scripture. This event is one of the very pillars of the foundation of the gospel. James 2, 21-23 Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Faith credited as righteousness. Verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Once again, God, through his perfect plan, intervenes and provides for our needs. The Lord doesn't want our sacrifice, nor has he ever wanted human sacrifice from us. He provided for the first sacrifice in Genesis 3 with the skin coverings that Adam and Eve wore, and he provided for the final sacrifice ever needed with his own son, Christ, on the cross. It is not our sacrifice that the Lord is after, but rather he wants confirmation in our obedience and he wants our faith in him. Like we see in this story, faith is crucial. He himself intercedes and does so in the form of substitutional death by providing two lambs in the place of Isaac. As I mentioned before, the first of these lambs we just saw in verse 13. Behind him, the ram that was caught in the thicket. Thus fulfilling Abraham's response in verse 8. God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. This fulfillment was in the form of immediate fulfillment. There is no delay here. We have a need and instantly, right there it is. Abraham and Isaac have an immediate need for a lamb to be sacrificed. And the ram that God provides takes Isaac's place that day. Little did Abraham know that he and the rest of the world had an even greater need for a lamb to come. This takes place so that everyone is spared. This is fulfilled in John 1.29. When John the Baptist's eyes fall on Jesus. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Christ is even greater than immediate fulfillment. He is the ultimate fulfillment. Where Abraham didn't have to give his son as a sacrifice, the Lord ultimately did, not just for one life, but for all lives, both past and future. So Abraham called the place of of that place, verse 14, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn another example that God is who God says He is. 
There is nothing greater than Him and nothing larger for Him to take an oath on than Himself. By Myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your Son, your only Son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of His enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because you have obeyed My voice. Salvation by faith alone. God's Word defines faith perfectly. So much so that I feel, and maybe this is just me, I feel that all dictionaries should just read faith. Hebrews 11.1 Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Hebrews 11 continues with a beautiful summary of events that occur within the book of Genesis. It also outlines perfectly the walks of faith from many key early biblical characters, from Cain and Abel to Noah and even Abraham. Verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteousness. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they have been seeking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. 
he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. The law was not yet even given at the time of Abraham. So why do we think even now that the law or our works are going to save us? It is only by God's grace that we are saved through our faith in Him. As believers, our salvation is not attained by keeping laws or clinging to the Ten Commandments, but rather it is attained by placing our faith in God who did give His Son, His sinless Son, as a sacrifice for all our sins so that we may have salvation and the hope for eternal life. God tests us in order to confirm our faith in and also our obedience to Him. Abraham was willing to sacrifice everything to be obedient to God because he had faith that the Lord would keep His promise. Even if it meant rising Isaac from the dead, which again, figuratively, he did. You see, many times we set our boundaries for our obedience. We set boundaries on how our obedience wavers. And whether we'd like to admit it or not, even we, the faith that we have, we place boundaries on. Mercy Me has a song. Now, maybe you've heard it. If not, I encourage you to do so. It's called Even If. The key lyrics read, and I'm again, I'm no singer, from, as you know from my last sermon. I know you're able, and I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. I know the sorrow, I know the hurt, would all go away if you just say the word. But even if you don't, again, my hope is you alone. Abraham's faith wasn't dependent on whether or not God spared Isaac. He was prepared to do so. The Lord read his heart. He knew it. Even if Isaac is sacrificed and Abraham was prepared to do so, he trusted that the Lord had a plan. And regardless of how it was going to happen, the Lord is righteous and it's happening. As we know through Christ, God did raise the sacrificial lamb from the dead. And because of that, we all have hope. True hope doesn't have boundaries or stipulations. True faith, like we've seen through Abraham and in Hebrews 11, has a focus that is on the Lord and His will rather than our own desires or our will. We must have faith in God's provision rather than our own. The sacrifice is complete. Our only job is to remain faithful. Father, I ask that you continue to transform us. Father, we are all weak. Father, build in us and strengthen us with your Spirit. Allow us to be faithful and to not look to our own desires. You provided that sacrifice, Lord. It is not ours to come up with, nor could we even fathom what that would be like. Lord, as we go forth this week, let us live in ways of true faith. Let us place all of our hope in you. And even if we may not see it right now, Lord, that we will stick to your plan. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.